Well, hey, Woodside family, Pastor Chris here. Welcome to another edition of The Link. I'm really excited to be here with you, and I have a special guest with me, little Christiana Joy. Many of you have been praying for her, and she is our newest addition to the Brooks family. And she's here because we're having a conversation today about the value of life. You know, every one of these little babies have uh, such value. But, you know, we live in a culture, unfortunately, that does not always protect our children or value uh, life. So today we wanted to have a conversation about the sanctity of life. What does it mean to be pro-life and why is this a gospel issue? Joining me today are some good friends. Laura Ferrugia is someone that I've known now for over a decade. She's the executive director of CareNet uh, Berkeley, Detroit. And so grateful to have you with me, Laura. Thank Thank you. Also, C.T. Eldridge, he is uh, a face that many of you know and love. He is our campus pastor at our LaPierre campus. Good to have you with us, brother. Thanks, man. Glad to be here. Also, Jesse Smith, she's a mom, a wife, and an advocate who cares deeply about protecting the marginalized and for the church to have a passion for the, uh, the unborn. Jesse, it's so good to be with you. Thank you for having me. Hey, you know, today is a topic that I know is sensitive maybe to some of your hearts, but I'm asking for you to patiently just listen, because today we want to win hearts, not debates. And I want to start with you, uh, CT. We use that phrase, sanctity of life. And uh, I don't want to assume that everyone knows what that means. So when we say sanctity of life, what does that mean and how does that relate to the gospel? Yeah, really important to our understanding of the sanctity or the value of life, really foundational to a pro-life ethic is to start at the start and look at the opening pages of scripture and our origin, humanity's origin. And what the inspired writers uh, lay out for us is that God created humanity in his own image. We are bearers of the divine image, both male and female. And so that reality of us being bearers of God's image is really foundational to us valuing all of human life. And uh, this was really uh, something that many Christians, we've heard a thousand times, were made in God's image. But this was really a radical thing for God's people to believe and confess in an ancient culture, especially that women uh, were created in God's image. Very often in ancient Near Eastern culture, uh, women weren't valued. They uh, were thought to be inferior uh, morally, spiritually, um, and um, intellectually. Um, and so for God's people to believe and confess that everyone, uh, whether man or woman, poor or rich, everyone bears God's image and is worthy to be treated uh, with equal value before yeah. the Lord. Yeah. And what I love about the Christian faith is we affirm that from the time of inception, right? That you don't have to reach some um, magical number of age before you are valued by God. Um, Jesse, I know that your passion is to create a culture in which uh, the church cares deeply about the marginalized. Why is that so important? And what happens to the church and to our culture when we don't protect the marginalized? Well, our story is just my fifth child in an ultrasound. They saw some what they called markers. And so uh, we go to a doctor, a geneticist, and they said, hey, we need to do some, some more testing. Well, I looked up testing and it said that it might, you know, it could cause a, a, a miscarriage. Yeah. So we decided that we were going to just have her no matter what. We were excited. We loved her. We wanted her. We had always had that image you were talking about that God 
gave children as a blessing, and so we were excited to have her. The geneticist then um, continued to push us to have an abortion. Until my husband looked so visibly angry, I had to stop the appointment. But the whole thing was, as he said, our daughter who had disability would ruin our lives. It was gonna ruin our marriage. It was gonna ruin our other children. And, um, and even when we said we don't want an abortion, he kept pushing because he said she didn't have a life worth living. And so when you have people that look at another human being, the very people that are supposed to be helping them, I mean, this is a doctor that we went to for help, and he's saying your, your child doesn't have a life worth living, that gets you passionate. Yes. That gets you passionate about not just helping your own daughter, but helping everybody else's child. So I feel like we've been climbing a mountain and then just calling back to people, climbing and going, put your foot here. You know, we find a good doctor here. We found a good group that will help you here. We found a good medicine here. And I think it's the heart of Christ who said, whatever you've done to the least of these, you've done unto me. So anytime we are out there feeding, helping, encouraging, praying for, um, and I think especially people with special needs because they have no voice. They can be stuck in a corner and people don't even know they're there or people are scared of them. So um, that's where we got our passion. God put it right in my family to make me do it. And then it's just blossomed from there. You know, Laura, when I hear uh, Jesse's story, I think about what they've done for our family and uh, hundreds of families and being an advocate, but it really does go against one of the false assumptions that a lot of people have when they think of the pro-life movement, if I could use uh, that phrase. You know the reputation that we only care about the politics of it, or we only care about babies before they're born. Talk about the movement of pregnancy resource centers, because you oversee one of the best, and uh, I'm a little bit partial to you guys, but uh, I've been able to see upfront how you guys care for babies after they're born, and their moms, and their families. So let's maybe debunk this myth. Sure. Um, I think that it's not unusual for uh, people to, when they think of being pro-life, just to think of being anti-abortion. Yes. And, um, but there is so much more to it than that. And that is something that we uh, stress is caring for that woman as well. You know, yeah. Having that compassionate response of trying to understand where she is in her situation, what's driving her to um, even think about having an abortion. Um, helping her to work through all of the all of her choices and giving her really good evidence-based information, yes. and um, and then supporting her beyond that decision. And and you're right, there there are many times people think of pro-life people as yes. only caring about that woman having yeah. the baby, but um, that that's not what we're about. We're that's we're right. about supporting them beyond that decision yeah. and. Um, helping walking through that first year of life with them, yes. getting them prepared for the birth, and then um, helping them afterwards with yes. um, both with spiritual support and physical support and um, just mentoring and being a voice for them. And there are thousands of pregnancy resource centers around the country that are such a strong movement. We first met when I was pastoring at my previous church in inner city Detroit. And you talk about loving babies, you talk about loving moms, but I also want to talk about your men's program because it's also about mentoring fathers. And, uh, you know, we just celebrated Father's Day and uh, men are so important to this equation. And I've met a lot of men who uh, feel like, well, I don't have a voice. You know, we live in a culture where the um, kind of political norm right now is that uh, women's rights are to be protected and a man doesn't have a voice. 
And I just always encourage men that your child needs you to have a voice before they're born to communicate the love uh, that you have for them and their value. You know, CT, um, Laura talks about the fact that this is about so much more than just um, the, the anti-abortion side of it. I think it's also about the pro-adoption side of it. And God has blessed both you and I, our adoptive dads, but talk about sweet Rumay and just uh, how God has uh, called the church to maybe open up our hearts and homes right. to children. Yeah, our daughter is uh, from China. We adopted her from Shanghai almost two years ago, and she is uh, indescribably precious to me and my wife and our two boys who were uh, biologically given to us. Um, but yes, you know, I think about uh, the church uh, 2,000 years ago, the first and second century under uh, rule of the Roman Empire. It was common then uh, within that civilization that uh, infanticide was practiced. Um, a child was born and they had a physical deformity, uh, even as something as slight as a birthmark. Uh, it was thought to be bad luck or um, maybe it was a girl and the family wanted a boy. Uh, for whatever reason, uh, they would take their children to certain parts of the city and just leave them to die of exposure. And Christians knew this happened and they would go and rescue those children and bring them into their homes yeah. and nourish them to life and nourish them to faith. And so we have a rich legacy of caring for vulnerable people in, uh, in uh, our faith. And so we wanna be a part of continuing to value all of life from conception all the way till the end. Yeah, I love what you're talking about, you know, and I say it this way, we all know that it was not the, uh, the babies of the aristocrats that were ending up being left out to die. It is typically the poor. It is typically, um, as you mentioned, throughout history, women uh, or female uh, children. And so I say it this way, that I think that abortion has predominantly been an act of sexism uh, disproportionately impacting female babies uh, and acts of, of racism, disproportionately uh, in ethnic minority communities, an act of classism, uh, disproportionately targeting the poor. And so I think that we have to understand what happens, again, when we uh, aren't opening up our hearts and our homes uh, to children. And, and I would say that to me, it's also an act of hospitality, you know, what God has called us to. You know, um, Jesse, uh, when, when you hear about these things, I know you. Oh, man. You, you get fired up and you're doing <laughs> oh, yeah. really well. Yeah. <laughs> under emotional control. Yeah. Uh, but yet we have to figure out how we communicate these values without coming across condemning. I mean, there, there's passion around these things. Yep. But how do and there you, has to be. There has to there be the has passion. To be. There has to be something you're drawing you know, forward to help somebody who can do nothing for you. In fact, this is just being the hands and feet of Christ. How we do it is, to be honest, I got, when Faith was born, I started reading my Bible every day. It was yeah. the first time in my life I started reading it every day. And because all of a sudden I needed to hear from Christ. I needed to hear his love for my daughter, but I needed to hear it for the person that I wanted to tackle that came into the room. Because <laughs> you, have, you have somebody that says, well, you don't need to feed her. I'm like, oh, wait a minute, I've got four older children. We feed them all, I'll yeah, just tell you. But, yeah. but I think the heart of Christ is always winning people over. And, um, and there's something in them that has, you know, that he writes himself in our hearts, that they know what they're doing is wrong. And so like for my daughter, 
90% of the kids like her that are disabled are um, aborted. And so this isn't a problem just with a doctor, it's with parents and it's with society. And one great thing you guys said about men is uh, my husband Brad and I often visit the hospital room. And one of the great parts is when we walk in and there's a man and a woman there, the father and the mother, we know that that kid has a great chance. Our hearts drop when we see just the woman in the room. You need to go back to back. And so the church comes and we come and we go back to back with people that are all alone. But our heart for that is not to let bitterness have a foothold. You know what I mean? Our heart is that I'm trying to win that doctor to Christ so he can help the next kid, not just mine. Yes. And I'm trying to win a society over so they see the value of my daughter so when they get discouraged with their own life, they realize God you know, has made them in his image, capable of hopes and dreams You know that, that they didn't even know they would have. So um, every bit about this has been my Christian faith and yeah. it growing. Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah, I can't imagine living this life without a savior. Can't imagine raising children without a savior. And I can't imagine trying to um, look doctors in the face who uh, may not be supportive of your child being around uh, without a savior. But yet, Laura, we're, we're called to uh, talk to people who don't always agree with us. Uh, even within Woodside, uh, there are diversities of opinion, right? So how do you share your convictions around this with people who think differently? Yeah. It's challenging. It's sometimes one of those subjects like, you know, religion and politics that, you know, people want to avoid at family gatherings. I think being prepared yeah. is um, one of the best things you can do. Um, educate yourself. There's, there's all kinds of resources available to help you uh, understand, like, you know, even just to have some basic talking points yes. for engaging in a conversation in a way that is, that shows compassion and is also in line with the heart of Christ. Um, when we're having those discussions and we're not there to beat somebody over the head with um, our viewpoint, yes. but to help them um, understand, um, to help show them. Um, I think that having a, a personal story, you know, is yes. definitely beneficial. And like your, your personal story, definitely. Um, when I have the opportunity to share that I had um, the experience of actually working for an abortion provider at one point and just the the change you know how, how god brought me out of that and brought me full circle yeah. um that certainly um yeah. makes a difference you know when i think about what you're saying i think about the the fact that there are a lot of women ct uh that are listening to us a lot of men that are watching this right now uh that have made that decision uh they have had abortions in the past or maybe like laura uh worked for um, uh, an abortion provider, and you're a pastor, and sitting in those seats every Sunday, if statistics are right, are people who are up under your ministry that have had an abortion. And now they see you here now, uh, sharing about uh, the value of life. What do you say to that post-abortive uh, mom, uh, that post-abortive dad, about the grace of Christ yeah. uh, for that? Yeah, it's one of the fun things about working through the scriptures week by week and in every sermon preaching the gospel. You know, this week uh, we're preaching through uh, the parables of Jesus. One of them that we've looked at is the parable of the prodigal son yeah. and how uh, this prodigal just blows through uh, his father's money, disgraces his father, um, but then comes to his senses, returns to his father, um, and his father doesn't hold his failures over his head, 
No, he sees him coming in the distance. He sprints to him and unashamedly throws his arms around his, his lost son and, and throws a party for him. And so just week after week, we want to encourage people and hold out the truth of gospel grace, uh, that there is no sin that the cross doesn't yeah. defeat. Um, and so that's one of the first, first things we want to hold out for them is just the free grace of the gospel. Um, and also to communicate to people, just like that father welcomed his son back yes. into his house, we welcome you into the household of faith that is Woodside Bible Church Lapeer. And we want to be brothers and sisters. We want to provide mothers and fathers in the faith who can come alongside you and support you financially, support you relationally in every way um, in order to help you move forward in life. Um, we're not just here uh, for Sunday morning. You know, yeah. this is all of life, Christianity. And so we're here for you. Yeah, it starts with a relationship with Jesus. And that is where the grace, the forgiveness, the restoration is found. And uh, there may be somebody that's watching right now and you have yet to start your relationship with Christ. You know, there's never a time when my kids cry out for me that I don't respond. And I think about that now, that if you cry out to God, Lord, I need a savior. I need your forgiveness. I, I need a relationship. There's not a time you're going to cry out to God that he does not respond. And so I just want to encourage you to do that today. All right, Jess, I need you to respond to an objection that I heard a lot. When I was pastoring in, uh, again, in Detroit, I would often hear um, not so much the people in the city, but people who were uh, advocates for abortion would often say that it's somehow merciful and kind for us to uh, not bring a baby into poverty or into a poor family or into a family that already has a lot of kids. How do you respond to that uh, objection that often comes up? I guess that was the same objection the doctor had for our daughter, you know, saying disability, you're gonna to have to spend so much time with her, you won't have the finances, the time for your other kids. And it's funny because I think God does this every time. His redemption is so good, it makes it better than what you could think. So the compassion I wanted to teach my other children, the type of people I wanted them to grow up to be, they learned in a hospital room, being with their sister and visiting other families. Um, the relationship I wanted with my husband, uh, so we were together on things and to have a cause to be able to do that in Christ brought us together. I mean, so everything that they're saying, God is so miraculous, so big, so mighty, he flips. And you know, we have so many great people in this nation that have come from nothing. I mean, there's not one slave that we could say, there's probably people in other countries that live better than our slaves, but we had a Harriet Tubman, you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah. Look at what she did with that life. Yeah. And she ended up being disabled, right? You know, yeah. she had a slave master throw it on brick on her head and here she had these blackouts. She led hundreds of people out of slavery. So God can do what he can do yeah. and he just needs us to be open. Uh, just one quick thing. My daughter, we were told, wasn't going to live past a year old. Yes. You know what I mean? And we were told she was going to be what they call a vegetable. You know, that you can call a person that is just grotesque anyway. But um, I remember the first time she smiled. And I realized she just gave me everything she has. You know, what a gift to give everything you have. So some of these people that don't have much, it's the widow's might. Guess what? She put in this pittance and she gave more in God's eyes and everything. So that's how I look at that. No, God has a purpose of calling. If he knows the hairs on your head, he hasn't been flummoxed by your finances. Yeah. And it is the call of Christ because then we can help those people that are in trouble like what you're doing. Yeah outstanding because we can walk with them and say, no, we can help you. Yeah, I always say this, that if people 
uh, knew that the baby they were carrying, carrying was going to be the next great scientist, the next great philosopher, the next great teacher. There's no way that they would uh, not do everything they could to protect that child. Uh, and when I hear you talk about the values that I wanted in my children, the values I wanted in my marriage, I got through this, uh, this journey. I think about how God uh, takes what the enemy meant for evil and how he uses it for our good and for his glory. You know, I think, uh, Laura, uh, about the fact that um, if we're going to talk about this, and I know this is a little bit beyond the scope of CareNet, uh, we have to talk about what it means to uh, not only protect little children and babies, um, but uh, special need families uh, need support. Uh, the elderly, uh, we, we just live in a culture right now that has this utilitarian mindset that if you're not uh, contributing to the level we think you should, that you're not valuable. Just talk about what it means to be holistically uh, pro-life. Yeah, it's again going back to having that understanding that all life is created in the image of God, yes. no matter um, if they look like us yes. or they have the abilities that we have yes. or the, um, the level of health or wealth that we have. Um, that doesn't matter in God's economy and, yeah. and that they are all created in his image and all worthy of protection. Yeah. And that could be, you know, a teenager with a mental disability. It yes. could be a homeless person on eight mile. Yes. Um, you know, it's, it could be someone who just doesn't look like us, yep. but they are valuable and they're worthy of us supporting and protecting them. And this is a uniquely Christian value because they've been created CT in the image of God. Uh, I want you, uh, Pastor CT, if you could pray for us. Yeah. And as you pray, I pray that um, we would show compassion to those who don't yet think this way. Um, because let's be honest, uh, there was a time, I know for me, when I had to be convinced and persuaded, and I think for all of us, uh, we need to show the grace that God showed us. Uh, but let's also pray for these precious ones uh, that God would allow them to be able to know uh, life in that more abundantly. Amen. Can you pray? Absolutely. <clears throat> Father in heaven, we thank you so much for the beauty of life and for the glory of human life. We reflect you um, as we live our lives from the very start. Father, we thank you that you are compassionate, that you um, have given us life in such a wonderful way, and we want to continue uh, to stand and speak and advocate on behalf of all life. And so strengthen your church. Give us grace to reach out with that same sort of compassion and love to our culture and demonstrate uh, the wonder and beauty of all life and testify to the gospel as we do. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, Christiana, you did a good job. And you guys did a great job, too, watching this episode of The Link. Uh, listen, uh, I know there are a lot of political implications, but we intentionally uh, see those things as secondary to the gospel. What's most important is for you to uh, understand your faith and how all of this connects back to the death, burial, resurrection, and lordship of Jesus Christ. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. And so is every person on this planet. We want you to learn more. And so in the postscript 
for this particular link. There are great resources. Jessie has written a phenomenal blog about her precious daughter, uh, Faith, and uh, there's other resources about CareNet and so much more. So please take advantage of those and make sure you stay connected to us here on the league. Can't wait to see you next time from uh, Christiana Joy and her dad. Thanks for joining us.